Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hey there, Cove Church. So great to be with you again today. I hope you're well. I hope you had a a good week. Last week, we talked about this epic narrative, uh, this narrative of redemption that we call the Bible. And it's really God's story of love to us. And if I was to kind of recap that whole story, encapsulate it, uh, we would see that humanity has been in a spiritual battle since the beginning of our existence, a battle for the souls of everyone who lives. And into that battle, Jesus comes, gives his life, and rises from the dead, ultimately defeating death. Christ actually wins the war for all of us. But here's the truth. Although the war is won, in this season of time, in our lives, it is still up to us to individually appropriate that victory, to say yes to being found by the victorious one. Uh, An example, an illustration would be this. January 1st, 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed into law the Emancipation Proclamation. It freed all people from slavery in the United States. It was enacted in the third year of our bloody civil war. And the result of that effort was that although all were declared free in the Confederate South, they did not experience that freedom for more than two years. When on June 19th, 1865, federal troops entered Galveston, Texas to take control of the state and ensure that enslaved people were to be freed. An event we celebrate and remember on what is now called Juneteenth. And I think about that two-year window of time where people were declared to be free universally, yet not yet able to experience that freedom individually. To me, that is a picture of what humanity has walked through regarding the freedom that Jesus purchased at the cross. The great challenge of being a Christ follower is to take what Jesus did for all and say, Jesus, do that for me. To experience that victory fully in my life. And in that, as we all can attest to, a battle rages where a real enemy tries to keep us from the life that has been rightfully purchased by our Savior. And and the enemy uses any tactic to keep us from our wholeness in Christ. In this, the enemy uses a variety of weapons. It might be attempting to feed our insecurity to make us settle for less in life, or perhaps blind us in apathy or dull us with materialism. Maybe the tactic is to isolate us in selfishness paralyze us with fear and doubt, distract us by career and success, diminish us with sickness and hurt and addiction. It is this constant barrage. Why? Because this is the enemy's only play. 
Since Jesus has bought the victory and defeated death, hell, and the grave, there is only one weapon left that the enemy can come against. One weapon that the enemy is now most afraid of, and that weapon is you. A fully gifted, fully redeemed you. Because if you and I were to walk in all that God made us to be, we would empty hell's zip code. So the enemy then throws everything at us to make sure that that doesn't happen, to keep us distracted and diminished and defeated and discouraged and disgruntled. Anything to keep us from walking in the fullness of our purpose. So today it is that fullness of purpose that we will talk about. Uh, a fullness of purpose that is so important to God, and because of that, it's also very important to us as a church. In fact, you could sum it up in our fifth value as a church, and it's this, all our ministers. We believe that every person has God-given strengths to be used for God's good purpose. You are important. You are valuable. You are needed. Among my, my favorite types of movies are those that take a diverse, eclectic group of people and those people use their individual gifts together to accomplish something amazing. I, I love that, whether it's like the Oceans movies, you know, Oceans 11 and 12 and 13 and Oceans 8, you know, you got your Pitt and you got your Clooney, you got your hacker guy, you got your strategy guy, you got your stunt guy, you got your funny people, There's, they're adding more all the time, we will probably live to see like Oceans 35 at some point and that would be great. Or maybe it's the A-team, you know, you've got, you've got Hannibal, the leader, Faceman, who gets the stuff, Murdoch, who's the crazy pilot, and B.A. Baracus, who just pummels people. It's a team. These images uh, represent and, and show us the power that's created when a diverse group of people use their gifts together for a common goal. It's compelling. It makes a great movie, it makes a great story, but more than that, it makes a great life, an impactful life, a meaningful life, because Jesus made us to live that way. Just imagine what could happen if the most diverse group of people on the planet, those who would call themselves Christ followers, incredibly diverse group of people, if we used our individual gifts God-given gifts, if we use them fully in order to make sure that the enemy's camp was, was attacked and we took back what had been stolen from us. What if we actually lived that way? I think it would mean step aside A-team, move over Clooney and Pitt. Here comes a greater team. It's known as the body of Christ. This is the life we're called to, walking in God's gifts for God's good. This is part of God's love theory, that, that your story, your gifting, your contribution matters for eternity. It adds up. It makes a difference. So with that, let's talk about the uniqueness of God's gifts in us and how God wants to use your story to change the world. 
And here's the first thing. Your story is anchored in an individual call. Your story is anchored in an individual call. Romans 12 is where we're going to be, starting verse 4. Let's read it together right where you are. Big voices, go. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Now let's stop there. It's speaking of individuality, something we love, I think, in our culture. I mean, if you've ever asked the question, where do I fit in? Why do I feel like I'm the only one that thinks this way? I'm the only one likes me, like me. You know why that is? That's because you are. <laughs> You're the only you. And that is a beautiful thing. One of the things I love about Heydays, the event that we, we just did here at the church, and where people come in costumes and stuff, uh, I love the uniqueness of the expressions of those costumes, especially in the kids, because kids don't just do like, just I'm just this in a costume. They do like costume cocktails. They mix it up, they blend it together. So I'm not just a mermaid, I'm a sparkly mermaid and I'm a unicorn at the same time. I'm not just Spider-Man, I'm a Spider-Man with robot arms and x-ray vision. That's how kids do it, you know? Not just an axe murderer, I'm an axe murderer who loves poetry. Those kind of blending is what happens with kids. Completely unique expressions. There's no one else like that. That's how the body of Christ is supposed to look. We're never called to have the same function, we're called to have the same mission but not the same function in that. It's your uniqueness that allows you to have a unique impact. And those gifts, they're, they're, all, they're all tied to your call. They're anchored in your call. See, God has gifted you specifically because God has called you specifically. You are called. That's why when you look around, you don't see another you because you are always supposed to be the only one. I'm not sure you're aware of this, especially for those in the Eugene area. I'll consider this a public service announcement. But we now have, in, in our town of Eugene, we have salt and straw ice cream now. We have one of those salt and straw ice cream places here in town. Uh, so that's just a public service announcement. Really good to know that. Um, it's so great. I love that place. Uh, you start out, you go and you get a second mortgage because it's a little bit pricey. So you start there and you get a second mortgage and then you come to Salt and Straw and they have the most unique flavors of ice cream that you can imagine. And some flavors that you would never imagine, like who would do that? Uh, but they do it and you can try them all. They got real spoons you can use and you use them and you put them in this cool little spoon dispensary place when you're done. And so we were there not long ago, and for Halloween, they had scary flavors of ice cream. And so uh, I think Ethan uh, dared me to try the Don Bogito's Creepy Crawly Critters. And here is the flavor description of that ice cream from their website, word for word. Matcha ice cream with toffee brittle mealworms and chocolate crickets. Yes, real bugs. I tried it. It was fine. It was crunchy, but it was fine. And then after thinking through why it was crunchy, I found myself going, why did I try this? Not my best move. Kind of made me just feel like, I don't know if I want ice cream anymore. But I, I pushed through it, don't worry. 
it was unique. <laughs> it, it was different. And that's, that's what they do. And guess what? Because it's unique, people line up for the ice cream at that place. They have lines out the door, not because it's the same, but because it's different. Guess what? That's really good news for you if you feel different today. Do you know that you bring a unique flavor to the world? with the gifts that God has given you, both in the natural and in the supernatural, with the spiritual gifts that God has given you, you are the only one of you. And although we are called to the same body, we are not called to the same function in the body. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more Jesus will clarify the uniqueness of your call. And that calling will take on different assignments, meaning your gifts in one season will be applied to this place, and then in another season they're applied to another place. The assignments change, but the calling never does. That is the power of your story, because your story is anchored in an individual call. That's the first thing. Here's the second. Your story is amplified in the community of faith. Let's read it together. Romans 12, starting verse 5, big voices, go. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. I think this body illustration really says it all. If I'm a hand in the body, I don't function well if I'm not attached to a body, do I? Okay? Uh, unless you're Thing from the Adams Family, which is an old TV show, but you know, just a, just a disconnected hand crawling around is kind of a strange thing. And yet as strange as that seems, people try to do it all the time when it comes to the body of Christ. To function, oh, I'm, I'm an eye, but I'm not connected to the community of faith, or I'm an ear, but I'm not connected, or I'm a big toe, but I'm not connected. Uh, if you look at social media at times, it's all just mouths. Nobody's connected to a community. It's just, I'm just a mouth yelling at the world, disconnected from anything else. If those parts of the body are existing that way, disconnected and on their own, guess what? It doesn't make for a very good story. It actually makes for a horror novel. <laughs> I mean, if you can imagine just that ear on the coffee table wriggling to get closer to you, to listen to you, not connected, that's kind of gross. The hand crawling nearby <laughs> to hand you the remote control. Ooh, that's creepy. The foot trying to hop up the stairs on its own. Yikes. That's just scary. And yet that's often how we try to function. And this passage helps us understand that for a hand to function well, it must be connected to an arm, and an arm must be connected to a torso, and for a torso to function well, it must be connected to a circulatory system. All of that is required for the hand to operate at its maximum handiness. Many parts forming one body, each member belonging to the others. This is God's vision for God's church. Now, knowing that, where do you think the enemy would direct his most formidable attacks? It would be to eliminating the oneness in the body of Christ, to separating and isolating individual Christ followers from the greater community of faith, 
And the enemy does this through so many vehicles, but usually it's through hurt or silly arguments or fallen thinking. And the enemy's done a really good job at this, all in an effort to keep the parts of the body from coming together, from belonging to one another. It's like if you have uh, three ingredients, if you have sulfur and if you have carbon and if you have potassium nitrate, on their own, they're stable, they're innocuous. But mixed together in the right ratio, you know what you end up with? Gunpowder. The enemy doesn't want God's individual followers to come together as one because if the enemy can keep the ingredients separate, he can avoid the impact. He can avoid that they would make a difference. And that tactic has worked. And consequently, consequently, for the church, instead of looking like this powerful, united, cooperative form looking like this, <laughs> instead, often we look like this. Sadly, this dynamic has made God's church much more resemble a horror story than it does a love story. Yet still this passage invites us to find our place in the body, to make our way back. That's why Jesus prayed for unity, because it's only then that individual gifts can be used effectively together. Bodies function when the many parts work together, which means each of us is needed. Your gift is needed. Who you are is needed. I'm less effective without you, and you are less effective without me. With you, the whole becomes greater than the sum of its parts. That is the promise of the body of Christ, because your story is amplified through the community of faith. It's the second thing. Here's the last thing. Your story is shared for the common good. Let's finish the passage, Romans 12, verse 7. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Contrary to popular belief, we are not the recipients of God's gifts in order to hold them. We are recipients of God's gifts in order to give them away. On the day after uh, Hay Days this last week, a group of us were working here at the church on Saturday. In fact, we do serve Saturdays every Saturday from 10 to noon. You're welcome to join us. We'd love to have you here. We just do projects around the church. So we were doing that, cleaning up after heydays, and we encountered in the lower parking lot this strange scene. It was a completely smashed Happy Meal box with what appeared to be a pile of baby poop next to it, leading to smaller piles of baby poop. And now when I see that, you know, I watch quite a few detective shows, so I, I kind of go into that mode like, I want to know what happened. Here, I'm, I'm curious, I want to, it's kind of, I'm, I, I just want, I want to like forensically figure this out. It's like CSI baby poop unit. 
And, and so I, it's kind of a bit of a chicken and the egg scenario to me, you know, was it the Happy Meal that led to the poo? Or, or did the poo happen, the releasing of the poo made room for the Happy Meal later? You don't really know. Was this a toilet training incident? Was there a distraction, which, you know, because we see the primary poo followed by the increasingly smaller poos. Maybe they were, you know, running off into the distance as this was happening. That could, you know, they could be distracted. Well, perhaps there was a health issue at play, judging by the poo's composition. They seem to be doing well on fiber, absolutely. So maybe there was something going on there. So many questions. <laughs> but the main one being this. For someone with a happy meal, this scene looked anything but happy. It wasn't supposed to be like this. <laughs> now, back to the Bible. I think the same thing happens with our gifts. Uh, it, there's ways that it unfolds in life, things that happen in life, and what was supposed to be beautiful and supposed to be rich and supposed to be meaningful, it devolves into something that ultimately requires a flat shovel and a pair of gloves. It just gets real messy. Perhaps messy enough that we just decide, you know, I'm going to hide my gifts away. I'm not going to put them out there anymore to get stepped on or used in a weird way. It's just too painful to be out there. And, and I think of the parable that Jesus told of the man who was given one talent and he just hid it in a hole, buried it, instead of even investing it to make a difference. Hurt in our life does that. Fear in our life does that. And yet this truth still remains. God's gifts are not for us to keep. They're for us to give away. God does not give us gifts to put in a trophy case or to hang on a wall in the office of our lives. They're given to invite others to discover the gift giver. Just think of the gifts of the Spirit that we're told in Scripture about, you know, gifts of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those gifts, for them to be actually expressed, you have to have another person, don't you? I mean, I, I, maybe I experience God's kindness in the Spirit, and then I can offer that kindness to someone else. That's, that's how it's expressed. I experience God's gentleness in the spirit, and then I can offer gentleness to another person. God's joy in my life allows me to bring joy to you. That's what this is saying. It's saying if your gift is prophesying, well then prophesy. If it's serving, then serve. If it's giving, then give like crazy. If it's encouragement, go out there and encourage, and encourage people. I, um, I was telling my, my life coach recently they were asking about what, what is a source of genuine encourage for me, or encouragement for me in my life? What is a source of genuine encouragement in your life? That was the question. And I told them about Ben Carter. Uh, ben is a, a part of our church. Uh, he, he always, if you're in this church building, he's usually three or four rows back. He's in a motorized wheelchair. He's always got flags on, usually some duck gear, a duck flag involved too. And Ben will text me. I think he talks to text. Um, but he will text me most weeks. And it's, it's short, but every time it matters. It's usually something. It's always different, but it's something like this. Hey, Pastor Aaron, I love you. Go Ducks. 
Ben has the gift of encouragement. And nothing keeps him from giving that gift away. Nothing. But I allow myself to have a lot of excuses. This passage, it just, just cuts through all of that. Whatever your gift is, fully trust God to give that gift away. Put it in action. When that happens, this thing called the body of Christ moves from, oh, I went to church and it was a nice Sunday, to my life changed today because I entered a world where everywhere I stepped, I was being offered another gift. A gift was being presented to me everywhere I went, encouragement and generosity and teaching, everywhere I went, it was just, it was everywhere. And I have this feeling that we're not operating at full capacity in this way. Maybe I get it because we're scared or we're hurt or we're unsure of how to do it or when to do it or what if I do it wrong. But could we offer enough grace to each other to make room for some mess in order to release some miracles? God's gifts are given to us to be given through us. Your story is to be shared for the common good. It's for all of us. I'll wrap up with this. Growing up, I think I tried really hard for a lot of my childhood to find my fit. Whether it was trying to do sports, soccer, t-ball, where they put me way out in right field. No one in kids' t-ball can hit the ball <laughs> into right field, so I just like, you know, make dandelion salads, talk to neighbors, hey, how's it going? Oh, it looks like my team's going in, I gotta go, you know, as, as that kid, you know. Tried lots of different stuff, horseback riding, wrestling, taekwondo, fly tying, I went through lots of stuff. And all of that, various degrees of non-success, and you come away going, well, maybe this really isn't my place. And I think a lot of my life was spent trying to find my place. And I was often disappointed in that. But I can honestly say this. All of that changed when I met Jesus. Because Jesus let me realize that my gifts were actually tied to my call, and that call was as individual as I am and as you are. Maybe you've felt that sense of wondering, where is my place, my, my purpose, where is my team? You were made for Jesus' team. You were made to be part of that body, and guess what? You are needed there. Don't let another day go by without looking at your gifts and seeing how God would use them for good. Don't let anything keep you from giving those gifts away. Mark Twain said, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. We find out why we were made when we get close to the one who made us. So get close to Jesus today. Trust Jesus to order your steps until one day it starts to make sense. It may not all make sense today, but one day it will. And Jesus allows us to see these glimpses as our purpose starts to take shape in our lives. Every single person has a calling on their life, a calling expressed 
in many different assignments. And it is our hope as a church that you would say, I'm gonna walk in my calling. Your story matters, so tell it. Tell it in the way that only you can with your calling in your community and with a desire to see God use all of it for good. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.